Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. We're going to be going through, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, time willing here, we're going to do all of chapter 2, chapter 3, and the chunk of chapter 4. Remember when we uh, started Jeremiah last week, I said there's going to be some chapters where we're going to go the classic verse by verse, just like what we did uh, last week. And there's going to be some chapters where we pick up the pace a little bit and we cover more of the different topics. And that's what tonight's going to be. We're going to cover these three chapters because it's all dealing with the same topic. Now, I started teaching Wednesday nights uh, 15 years ago. And I can remember when Pastor Krieger was the pastor, he said, on Wednesday nights, he said, try to keep it light. He says, people have had a long, hard day at work. It's going to be tough. Try to keep it light. Try to keep it upbeat because people are coming in and it's difficult. And so Wednesday nights have always had a little bit of a different flair. But tonight's topic, I'm really sorry, this is not light. It's, it's all about backsliding. So when I was going through this lesson, I was just totally and utterly convicted. And I came out of this lesson feeling about an inch tall. So my apologies as I pass along that conviction to you. You'll walk out here at 8 o'clock just being totally convicted. And that's nothing I can do about that because you're all heathens. Um, but... <laughs> It's about backsliding because that's exactly what Israel and Judah is doing. If you remember correctly from our first study last week in Jeremiah, th this is not a pick-me-up book. This is Jeremiah that ministered for over 40 years and didn't have a single convert. This is Jeremiah that was put into stocks. He was beat. He was tortured. This prophet suffered. And the reason he suffered is because of the moral and spiritual failures of the nations of Judah and Israel. Same thing applies for us today. When we fail spiritually... It's going to affect us morally. It's going to affect our entire life. And I've said numerous times, the most, what's the word I'm looking for? The unhappiest person in the world is a Christian who knows what they should be doing, and they're not doing it. Because they can't have joy in the Lord because they're convicted, and they can't have joy in the flesh because when they have joy in the flesh, they're convicted. See, what happens here, as you go through these couple chapters, this is a nation that knows what they're supposed to be doing, and they're choosing not to do it. So it's about backsliding. And it's about repentance. Now, I don't know who first said it, but I've, I've heard it said many times before, Christianity is like climbing a greased pole. As soon as you stop climbing, you slide down. There's a lot of truth to that. When you quit moving forward in your walk in relationship with Christ, you generally start going backwards. And that's what that term backsliding means. Now, my new King James, the word backsliding is used 16 times in the entire Bible. Six of those references are in Jeremiah 3 alone. So that is the emphasis of what Jeremiah is trying to say, is you've quit moving forward spiritually, and now you're going backwards. That's all backsliding means, is you're just moving backwards in your relationship with Christ. So, let's start out with this. Jeremiah 2, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in the land not sown. Israel was holiness to the Lord, the firstfruits of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 is sincere. This is God saying to Israel, to Judah, I remember when you wanted me. I remember when you desired to be with me, when you wanted to be with me, and now you choose not to. Same things happen spiritually. Are you excited about your relationship with Christ? If not, the Lord's saying the same thing to you. I remember when you were excited. Think back to the time in your spiritual walk when you were most probably on fire with the Lord. I know for me, it was, it was soon after I got saved. It was probably about six months after that. 
Um, you know, I was living at home there with just my parents. My sisters were in college. And so I remember getting up early in the morning, and I was doing this study through Isaiah. And it was just the most amazing study to this day that I've ever seen. And there was just a lot of time of prayer, and there was a lot of time of reading. It was a lot of quietness. And I, and I look at that, and I say, wow. So anytime I spiritually start looking at my life, and it's like, Lord, where's that fervor? Where's that excitement? I feel the Lord saying to me, well, well James, where's the time you spend with me? You used to get up early. Because you wanted to. You used to crack that Bible open because you wanted to. You used to pray just because you wanted to. Now you got to remember when the Lord convicts us, he's never trying to do it to knock us down. Don't ever take it that way. He's doing it because he loves us. And that's the same thing here with God speaking to Judah and Israel. He's not trying to kick them while they're down. He's saying, do you remember when you used to be excited about me? Verse 2, because you're not anymore. You're not excited about me. Instead, you're backsliding. Jump ahead to verse 8. The priest did not say, where is the Lord and who's... Excuse me, and those who handle the law do not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Look at that phrase again. Walked after things that don't profit. When you are moving backwards in the Lord instead of forwards, you're doing time, I should say spending time, doing a lot of things that just don't profit. There's an emptiness that comes out of it. Yeah, you're doing a lot of things in life, but there's such an emptiness that comes out of it. Verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. He comes out and says, you changed your God. I used to be your God. And now you worship Baal. Now you worship nature and creation. You changed your God. Now we may sit here tonight and say, okay, well, James, when I backslide, I don't change my God. You know what I notice is, well, you may not change your God. I may not change my God, but I change and I compromise on who my God is. There's a lot of times when I run into somebody who is moving backwards instead of forwards, and they start telling me about things they're doing in their life. I say something to the effect of, you know those things aren't right. Well, I don't know if they're not right or not, because I've kind of looked at it, and I kind of look at it from this perspective now, and, and I don't really think it's that big a deal. It has changed their God. Because if you were to talk to them when they're on fire with the Lord, they would have staunchly said, those things are wrong. I should not do those things. Those things are convicting. Those things are sin. But yet, when we start going backwards, what do we do? Verse 11, we change our God. The things that we used to think were really wrong, well, now it's not as bad as I thought. Why? Because I've dabbled in it, and I kind of like it. Or I've dabbled in it, and I really didn't get bit right away. That's what kind of happens. And really what it builds up to is Jeremiah 3, 1 and 2, which you can read the verses there. God comes out and says, you've committed spiritually har spiritual harlotry, which is basically you've committed adultery on God. You left your bride, God, and you've now gone out and been with the world. And that's exactly what he's saying here. That's what backsliding is. It's walking after things that are empty. It's changing your spiritual convictions because you just want to do what you want to do. And it eventually reaches a point where you give up on the Lord spiritually and you just want to do what you want to do. Spiritual harlotry, spiritual adultery. That's what backsliding is. Every Christian, and I firmly believe this, and if you disagree with me, we can talk about it afterwards, every Christian will go through a season probably of backsliding sometime in their walk. Now, it may only last a day, may only last a couple days, for some it may last years, but there's going to be times in your life where the spiritual spark with the Lord is just not as strong as it was. And God is saying, be careful, because when you start going down that path of emptiness, changing your convictions, spiritual adultery, you're going to end up verse 13 of Jeremiah 2. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They become a bucket with a hole in it. So therefore, when God 
tries to pour his spirit into them, he tries to pour the fountains of living water into them, it just flows right on through because they're just this useless cistern that has no water. They're a useless bucket that can't hold water. What's the purpose of that? Now, real quick, and this is a true story. The government did a study, and I'm not making this up. I should have brought the article so I could prove it to you. They did a study on buckets one time, and they came to the conclusion that buckets were a danger to children as children could fall into buckets. And so the conclusion was that if you put holes in the bottom of buckets, it would no longer be a danger. Now, we at home, and, and I'm not making that up, we at home have lots of buckets around our house. We have lots of boys that like to go out and play. And so what will happen during the day, or should say in the summer, when we need to grab a bucket for water, you try to grab a bucket. Now, we have boys outside, and we also have a dog. Now, the dog will chew anything that's left outside. If you come and lay on my yard for five minutes, you're going to get chewed up. That's just what the dog does. The boys will break you if you come to my house. That's just a fact. So when we're in the summer, and this has happened, we were doing some stuff in the garden, and we wanted to water some things, I said to the boys, just grab me a bucket and come here. Okay, they just had this, all these buckets, and every single bucket had a crack or had a hole. You know how frustrating it is to have a bucket to fill it up with water, and by the time you get to your destination, all that water is completely leaked out? Spiritually speaking, God is saying, that's how frustrated I am with you. I'm spending time with you with my Holy Spirit. I'm speaking to you. I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. I'm teaching you. And every time I give you something spiritually, it literally goes in one ear and right out the other. You're a bucket with a hole in it. If that describes where you're at, you're probably in that backslidden state. Now, real quick, before we take a break, what did God do wrong to get you to this spot? Look back in verses 5 through 7. Look at verse 5. Thus says the Lord... What injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me, have followed idols and become idolaters? God says, what did I do to deserve this? He goes through verse 6. Look at everything I did. I brought you out of Egypt. I took care of you. I watched you. Verse 7, I blessed you. He goes, I haven't done anything. See, this is what happens. When people start moving backwards, this is what I've noticed. They usually find fault with God. They're upset at God. Now, Generally speaking, the people that need to hear this message are probably not the people here tonight. Because the people that need to hear this message are usually the ones that aren't here. This is what's frustrating. When you run into somebody who is in a backslidden condition, generally speaking, they're not coming to church. They're not answering the phone calls of the pastor. And they're not really wanting to be around any other believer. They're convicted. They don't want to be around it. Have you ever been in that position? Maybe. Maybe you're in that position right now. You just don't want to hear it. So what happens is, and I've seen this a lot, when people are moving backwards, you start talking to them, and they start blaming God for something. Well, what's going on spiritually? Why are you having a hard time? Well, I'm really frustrated about this. Look what God did. God comes out in Jeremiah, and he says, wait a second, what did I do to deserve any of this? I didn't do any of this. Here's the key. Look at verse 17. Have you not brought this on yourself, and that you have forsaken the Lord your God when he led you in the way? God comes right out and says, the reason you're in this spot is because you forsake God. That's the truth. When you find yourself spiritually dry, when you find yourself spiritually moving backwards, it's because you chose that. There may have been underlying circumstances in your life that frustrated you, that bothered you, the prayer request didn't get answered the way you wanted, the situation at work didn't help out, the relationship didn't happen, I don't know what it is, but there's going to be something where you're going to want to blame the Lord and God says, this is a choice you made. So, that is the hard part of this message, is the negative that comes out of that, the choices they made, searching after things that cause problems. And God says, I didn't do this. He goes, this is a choice you made. Now, we're going to stop right there for a quick thing. So if you haven't looked, there's still stuff on the back. Sorry, it's a two-sided sheet tonight. Any quick questions, comments about anything we've covered thus far with the backsliding part, what Judah and Israel are going through, or God's response to them thus far? Okay. Now, flip your sheets over. There are three C's. 
What does God do to get their attention? The first thing you see in verse 19 is he convicts them. Your own wickedness will correct you. Your backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. When somebody's in this condition, it's because they know they're wrong. They know it. I can give you example after example after example of the 12 years I've been out here as a pastor. When somebody's moving backwards and not forwards, they just don't want to be around the church or the pastor. I remember distinctly one time there was an individual that we had not seen for a long time. We were concerned about them, and we wanted to check in on them. We've called, we wrote, we did everything. I saw them at Walmart. They ran from me, and I ran after them because that's what I do. I wanted, and it, they didn't want to have a conversation. I, I remember there was another time where somebody that hadn't been at church for a while, I just literally ran into them one time, and I said, hey, how you doing? First words out of their mouth, I'm sorry I haven't been at church. I promise I'll come back. They didn't even say anything. There was a conviction there's a conviction of just not wanting to be around it. See, God says in verse 19, you, you know you're wrong. You, you know you're wrong. Well, what do they do? Verse 22, for though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, that your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. So you try to cover it up. Oh, man, I've had conversations with people where you know spiritually, you just know spiritually they're going downhill. And you finally get through the layers of going downhill, and then they try to sound good. They'll be like... um, I was just reading something the other day in the Bible. I, yeah, I read a great verse in Psalms. <laughs> no, you didn't. You know what I mean? You're, you're covering up with soap. You're trying to make yourself look good. That's what we do. We try to make ourselves look good where God says, you're really just trying to cover it up and it doesn't work. Look at verse 30. God says, I have to correct you. In vain I have chastened, chastened your children. They received no correction. Your sword has devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. See, this is the first step in this process. If we find ourselves going backwards instead of forwards, the first thing God will do will convict you. Conviction is one of the most loving things that God does. It's the most loving thing that God does. Well, the problem is when we're convicted and we don't follow up, we cover up, and God has to correct us. And the same thing happened as, as parents. I just had a situation the other day with one of our kids. It was Layden, our fourth one. Very simply, I said he, I saw what he wanted to do, and I said, Layden, don't, don't touch that. He said, okay. So I saw his hand again. I said, Layden, remember, don't touch that. Conviction. Hey, well, guess what he did? He touched it. And what's the first thing he does? He hides. Cover up. I go find him, and what do I do? I correct. Same thing happens spiritually. The Lord says, you don't want to go down this path. This path is not worth it. Don't do it. Don't look at it. Don't say it. Don't whatever. We do it, and then we quickly try to delete the history of everything we just did. God says, sorry, it doesn't work that way. I need to correct you. That is love. That is actually lots of love. It'd be really easy to look at a message like this tonight and come away feeling kicked and pushed down and said, well, you know what? We're all a bunch of failures. Yeah, we are all a bunch of failures. God loves us. He loves us enough to correct us. So how do we heal from this backsliding? Jump ahead to Jeremiah 3 now. Like I said, in Jeremiah 3, the word backsliding in the New King James is used six times out of 16 times in the entire Bible. This is the whole theme of Jeremiah 3. Look at verse 22. Great, simple verse. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. How simple is that? You want to get back to where you were spiritually? Then go back to the Lord. How simple is it? Look at verses 12 through 13 of Jeremiah 12. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return, backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. See, God says, I don't want this relationship with you. Look at verse 13. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God. You have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. God says, come back to me, admit what you're doing is wrong, 
or admit that you've sinned against the Lord. And he goes, we can heal. We can heal from this. It's that simple. I put the reference down there in Revelation 2. In Revelation 2, Jesus is talking to the church, uh, one of the churches in Revelation. And what happens is Jesus comes right and says, you've left your first love. But guess what he says? He says, repent and do the first works. Let's just go back. Start over. See, that's, that's the beauty of that word repent. Repent literally means just to turn around. If you're heading in the wrong direction, well, turn around and go back the right way. If you find yourself not spending time with the Lord, start spending time with the Lord. If you find yourself becoming dry and not serving and witnessing, start serving and witnessing. Find yourself not being strong in prayer, start praying again. What did a pastor say one time? When somebody's sick, what do you sometimes do to the people that are sick? You force feed them. You force the fluids. You force the food. You said your body needs this. Even though you don't feel like it, your body needs it. Right now, if you're in a spiritual condition where you don't feel really strong with the Lord and maybe you're in that backslidden state, the idea of serving, it doesn't sound like much fun. The idea of sharing Christ, doesn't sound like much fun. The idea of going home and turning the TV off and reading or getting up early and praying and reading, that doesn't sound like something you want to do. That may mean that you need to force feed yourself spiritually a little bit. Because this is what I've noticed in my spiritual life because I backslidden just like everybody else. When I get to that spot of where I'm just not as strong as I should be spiritually, when I start getting back into the Word and prayer and service and ministry, it's rough at first. But then you start just that spirit grows. You're like, yeah, this is where I want to be. I feel joy. I feel purpose. This is where I want to be. But when I'm going backwards, there's an emptiness. Uh, there's, To be quite honest, there's usually a, almost a bitterness, an angriness, very thin-skinned, you know, very temperamental. Well, I want to get back to where I want to be, Lord. And sometimes you got to force feed. Now, I'll stop there for real quick before we get to the final points. Anybody got anything they want to say thus far about the backsliding part or now hopefully getting back into repenting? John. Yeah, and I like the word you said right there, fellowship with Christ, because I always want to make this point clear. It's not that you get up and read and pray and serve to do it. You do it because you want to. You desire to hear what the Lord has to say in the Word. You desire to spend time in prayer. If you do it because it's homework, you're not going to get much out of it. You desire to want to be with Him. And I'm telling you right now, you look at the choices that are being made in life, and for some of us, those choices are not bringing much profit, as it says there. There's, there's a great passage in Romans 6 where it says, those things we did which we are now ashamed of. How many times do we do stuff, we look at that and say, why did I do that? That's probably the result of being in a backslidden condition where if we were spiritually strong where we were supposed to be, we would hopefully make a better godly choice. That's what it comes down to is making good godly choices. Because if not, you're the bucket with a hole in it. And like John said, I love that phrase, we desire the fellowship of Christ. We want to be with him. That's where joy comes from. Anybody else have anything here they want to say before you go on? Last point, this change comes on the inside. Look at verse 17. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. That's human nature. My heart is pretty dark and evil. It really is. And unless I'm born again in Christ, my heart is very dark and evil. And even after being saved, there's still some darkness in that heart that wants to do things. Jeremiah actually says later on in this book, he says, the heart is deceitfully wicked. So, we have evil desires in our heart. So the answer is our heart needs to be fixed. Jump ahead now to Jeremiah 4, verse 4. Actually, verse 3. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among the thorns. Start planting a good crop spiritually. Very simply put, going out and getting wasted is not going to help you spiritually. Going out and watching things you shouldn't watch, going out and saying things you shouldn't say, looking at things on the Internet you shouldn't look at, gossiping, arguing, fighting... 
that is going to produce a crop that's not going to help you. So it says in verse 3, go get some fallow ground there. Get some ground that's fresh and new. Do not sow among the thorns. Plant good seeds. Very simply put, do things that will spiritually take you deeper. Verse 4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Lest my fury come forth like fire and burn, so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Verse 4, what he's saying there is get to the innermost part of your heart and cut off that junk that's creating problems. Now, I like how it says in the New Living Translation. I put it there at the bottom of your sheet. It says, O people of Judah and Jerusalem, surrender your pride and power Change your hearts before the Lord. See, if you really want things to be different, it has to start in your heart. If you are just doing it because, okay, I get the message, I should probably pray, I read, I should probably do this, no, I ain't going to happen. You in your heart have to say, Lord, I desire a deeper, stronger relationship with you, and I desire to follow you. To be quite honest, those dictates, those evil desires of the heart, they're always going to be there. But when you give your heart over to the Lord and you cut that stuff out, God says that's where the process really starts to change. I've shared with you many times out here before, when I've seen people going backwards instead of forwards, I, you know, I try to force them into a deeper relationship with Christ. And I'll contact him and say, why don't you read this chapter, and I'm going to call you back in 48 hours, and we're going to talk about what you read. That doesn't do any good. Yeah, they read it. They didn't care. Or you know what? We're going to meet next week, and we're going to meet every week for the next month, and we're just going to get together and pray and talk about everything you're going through, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, they'll do it, but they don't really want to. What I've noticed is when people really want to get out of the pit, is when they really look up and they say, Lord, this is not the way I want to be. This is just not the way I want to be. So therefore, Lord, I and my heart will get right with you. I, I can't force you to do it. I can point you in the right direction. I can encourage you. I can give accountability. But ultimately, you have to desire it just like I have to desire it. That's what it comes down to is do we desire to truly go deeper in the Lord or do we want to be empty? Buckets with holes in the bottom of it. That's what it comes down to. So Jeremiah is trying to tell people here through these first few chapters, this is your spiritual state. Now he gets a little deeper this as we go on through the rest of the book, but this sets the scene. This is your spiritual state of going backwards instead of forwards, and nothing good comes out of this other than emptiness and regret. This is not what you want, and he says, now let's move forward. So anybody got any final things they want to say about this before we go ahead and close up? All right. Let's pray here for a little bit. Lord, we come to you now. A lot to chew on tonight. To be quite honest, Lord, a lot of stuff that uh, is a little difficult to chew on. Lord, if there's someone here tonight that is maybe going backwards instead of forwards, I pray that right now your heart of conviction, your love of conviction is speaking to them, showing them the right path, Lord, encouraging them in their path. And whatever we can do to help with that, Lord, guide and direct us. Lord, if there's someone here that's trying to cover up with soap. Lord, get rid of that junk to show them what really needs to change. And I pray that we can get down to the heart of the matter, that heart that needs to be right with you again. Help us all, Lord. It's easy for all of us to fall into that pit. But we really want to serve you and love you with everything that lift us up in your name. Amen. Alrighty, you guys have a good week and God bless and we'll catch you next week. Remember, no church on the 26th once again. Alrighty, God bless.